Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> yeah, what a time of worship. Um, Bob Jones is an old prophetic guy. And back in the day, he declared 2020, or he, he's, he had a word that 2020 was to be a year of rest. I saw somewhere on uh, Facebook or somewhere, somebody had a meme on there. It said, has anybody tried unplugging it and plugging it back in? <laughs> but it is a year of rest. Uh, our rest started um, as soon as Jesus got out of that grave. So our rest is final, 2020's year of rest, 2021's year of rest. Um, so we know that the weapons of our warfare are not flesh and blood, but we carry divine power to demolish strongholds. So um, <laughs> so I'll start, I'll give you guys a, a joke here. Uh, a minister told his congregation, next week, I plan to preach about the sin of lying. To help you understand my servant, a sermon, I want you all to read Mark 17. The following Sunday, as he prepared to deliver his sermon, the minister asked for a show of hands. He wanted to know how many read Mark 17. Every hand went up. <laughs> the minister smiled and said, Mark only has 16 chapters. I'll now proceed with my sermon on the sin of lying. <laughs> um, so this morning, I don't know, it's the power, it is. Um, is the clicker working? We'll see what happens. Um, trusting the Lord, renewing our mind. There's gonna be a few passages um, in Exodus and then in Mark that we're going to look at. Um, so, in order to trust the Lord fully, we need to renew our mind. We need to renew our mind daily, continuously, constantly we're renewing our mind. If we are gaining greater levels of faith in our body, our mind needs to be renewed to that greater level. So there's three things we're going to kind of keep, keep in your mind as we go through uh, the message today. God, number one, God makes ways where there is no ways. God provides, and God's word is power. So you ready? It's going to be, uh, it's just going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm excited. Um, Exodus 3 Verses 8 and 17, turn there, please. If you have a phone, if you have whatever you got. I'm, I'm going to be reading out of the, uh, it's going to be, all the stuff this morning is going to be out of King James Version. Um, so Exodus 3. Verse 8 and 17. This is where Moses is in the desert. The Lord's talking to him through the burning bush. So let's read verse 8 together. It says, And I am come down to, to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. 
and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, and I think that might be a typo, but, and, and a large land flowing with milk and honey until, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Verse 17, and this is continuing on, saying about the same thing. It says, and I have said, I will bring you up out, out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. So two times in one chapter, God tells Moses, he's gonna take him out of Egypt. He's gonna take him somewhere better to the land of Canaan, Canaan's land. Um, second part we're gonna look at is three, three chapters later, chapter six. So in the, in the middle of this, Moses was in front of the burning bush. Um, God turned his hand to leprosy, turned it back, turned his staff into a snake, uh, performed wonders in front of Moses' very eyes, and he still doubted. He still doubted his ability, doubted his speaking ability, whatever it was. But the Lord had a plan. He wanted to use Moses. This wasn't somebody else he was planning. He wasn't going to skip him. He wasn't going to let Moses get off the hook. So he wanted to use him. He was going to use him. The word of the Lord declared it. Um, so a couple, couple chapters later, Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh, tell him we want to go for three days to worship our Lord. Um, and uh, Pharaoh, this really ticked him off, I guess, because he told the uh, officers in charge of the uh, Israelites that to not provide them with straw any longer to make their bricks. So they had to go find other things and scavenge and whatever to, to find stuff to, to put into these bricks to make it strong. Um, so, and they expected them to do this all in the same amount of time, same amount of production without the straw, and the Israelites just were miserable because they were getting beat on, all this stuff, and they come to Moses and Aaron and were like, what are you guys doing? You're making our lives miserable. So in the next chapter, then in chapter six, Moses goes to God and asks him, what are you gonna do about this? Um, and we're gonna read in verses four to eight. And this is almost kind of repeating what he said in chapter three to Moses by the burning bush. It says, and I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take, take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will, 
really listen to this part. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it you for a heritage. I am the Lord. So he said, I am going to bring you to a land, the land that was promised to your fathers. So what happens after that? There is, and actually I didn't write this verse down, but there's also a verse in chapter three that the Lord told Moses, Moses in the burning bush that he's gonna put plagues on Pharaoh. Like there's gonna be crazy signs. It's gonna be pretty bad. He's gonna harden his heart, but in the end, Pharaoh will let them leave. Um, and it happened. Day after day, plague after plague, it happened. The Passover happened. Um, just awful things, awful, awful things. So Pharaoh finally gives up, lets the people go. The people are going out through the desert. Um, And this is not a few people either. This is a lot of people. This is, I, I don't quote me on this, but I believe it was hundreds of thousands of people so they, they leave, they pack up their stuff and begin to, begin to go out to what they believe is the promised land. Let me see if this will, there we go. So the Israelites, if I had a laser pointer, I'd be pointing up there. They started up in that green area. They walked and they walked and they walked. They walked on down, on down, on down. All this, I mean, that's hundreds of miles that they walked. So, um, now we're gonna, we're gonna go to Exodus 14. And it reads, uh, verses 10 to 15 are the verses we're gonna be reading. It says, when Pharaoh drew nigh, this was after the children of Israel had left, after they're on their way. Um, And in the beginning of the chapter, God tells Moses where to go. He tells him, go to this place. Pharaoh will think you guys are confused and mixed up and they'll come after you. So they heard a word from the Lord. It makes no sense to walk to that part of that sea right there. Does that make sense to anybody? That's where God told them to go. Okay, you got about 35 miles north full of sea. You got a couple hundred miles south. That's the edge of the sea. Says, when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Did you take us out here to die because there wasn't enough graves in there? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us? Why did you do this to us? This is a bad idea. You're wrong. Basically what they're saying. 
to carry us forth out of Egypt. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians that we may stay in bondage. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Why, why, are, you, why, are, you crying? why are you crying to me like this? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Where are they gonna go forward? Oh man. Oh, there's a, la- where, where are they gonna go? The Lord said, go forward. Where are they going to go? That's a, that's a 12 mile swim right there. <laughs> Plus all your animals and stuff you're packing along. So, so there at the end, the Lord basically said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Keep going forward. Let's look back at chapters three and six when the Lord was speaking to Moses. Did the Lord give a word to Moses that he was going to deliver the children of Israel to a land that he promised to their fathers in a covenant? Yes. Does it look like they're gonna make it there? Doesn't really look like they're gonna make it there. So on this side, were they standing in the promised land? Was God lying when he told them that he'd take them to Canaan's land? No, he wasn't. See, we also have promises in our lives. We've had words, prophetic words speaking over us. Individually, we have had words spoken over us. Oftentimes, we get to a place where we see 40 miles of sea on one side and 40 miles of sea on the other side, God told us to go to that place. And we think, well, most of us, I mean, most of us don't ever think God makes mistakes. It's always, man, I messed up somewhere. Okay? So, how many times do we get to a place we think, man, I messed something up? when there is a plan that was set in place from the beginning to get, to get you there. So we know the story. God splits the sea. It says he breathed and a strong east, east wind came and from the topography map, I mean, that, that looked pretty deep. So you can say probably 30, 40 foot walls of water on either side of you both sides. God, there was an angel that was with them. There was a pillar of cloud. The angel removed himself from the front, went to the back, and that pillar of cloud turned into a wall of fire. While the Israelites walked 12 miles 
That's almost a marathon, and I can bet you they probably weren't walking. <laughs> um, there was probably some record, record marathon times in there, and we, we won't ever know about it. They go, they run through. The pillar of fire leaves, the Egyptians follow, they go in, and boy, I wish I would have wrote it down, but I didn't. It, it says how the Egyptians said, let's pursue them, let's go in after them, and the Lord said, watch how I will destroy your enemies. The walls come crashing down. It says not one, not one Egyptian soldier walked away that day. And Pharaoh had taken, uh, I believe it was 70 of his best chariots and riders then it just throws in, and all the others. So they were all there. The entire army of Egypt was destroyed. Could God have destroyed that whole army if they were not obedient and getting to the place where it looks like they were in the wrong place? He could not. Now, we're gonna keep moving here. In chapter 15, I encourage you all to read it sometime. It's the song of deliverance. They walk through the sea. You have just seen a, there's no explaining what just happened, okay? You get there, they begin to sing a song of deliverance. Um, and they are, they are fired up. They're fired up. They're excited. Um, and if only it would have lasted that way because in the very next chapter they begin to murmur and complain about being hungry about two and a half months later so you just saw God do stuff that doesn't make sense you just saw you just saw that you have a divine provision two and a half months later you're out in the desert and you're hungry and you begin to murmur and there's a verse in, uh, you don't have to turn to these, but Exodus 16, verse three, all the, uh, uh, all the friendly Israelites come up to Moses and say, would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full for ye, you Moses, you brought us out, of this, out into this wilderness to kill us all with hunger. So what, what does God do? He provides in the middle, middle of the wilderness manna in the morning and quails at night for 40 years. But that, that's not all. In the next chapter, in chapter 17, they're once again complaining. They need water. There's a verse in chapter 17 that's very similar to the one in 16 where they say, why'd you bring us out here? Did you just bring us here to kill us and all of our children from thirst? <laughs> that's while they're probably chewing on a piece of manna or some quail, you know? It's like, man, 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 I need something. So what do we get from this? What, what, do we, what can we draw from this? How about this? Even after supernatural provision, the unrenewed mind will forget the faithfulness of the Lord and turn away from him at all times. If you have stuff happen in your life, if you see miracles, 
and you do not renew your mind to line up with those miracles from there on out, you will turn away. You will forget. You will go back into captivity, back into bondage. So we're going to look at another story. And we, so in the beginning, so we'll move this back to this. God makes a way where there is no way. We can see that. Daniel in the lion's den. Who goes and sits with lions overnight and doesn't get eaten? Um, the four, four in the fiery furnace. Three in the fiery furnace plus Jesus. God makes ways where there is no way. And a lot of times stuff might not make sense to us, but God is putting us in that place so that he can get us where we're going and accomplish a lot in the meantime. See, if that whole army wouldn't have been destroyed, what would have probably plagued the... Because Pharaoh said, Pharaoh said, what did we do? We messed up. We let all our slaves go. Their life was going to get a lot harder if they were going to have to start doing all their own work. What would have plagued them, followed them, if they would not have gotten rid of their captor, gotten rid of the thing that held them in captivity completely, wiped them out, not one. So speaking to us, when we get to a place and we hold on to that little thing that wants to just, just hold on a little bit, something that we don't want to quite let go of all the way because it's kind of, that's kind of my safety. That's kind of what I, I need that, you know? If we don't get rid of that completely, it will follow us on down the line. Get rid of it completely. So Mark chapter 6, we're going to move there. This is good. This is a couple chapters after Jesus feeds the 5,000. There's a verse in here that mentions that, but there's, this is a couple chapters after Jesus, and the, Jesus had sent the disciples out. They came back. They did all kinds of amazing things. They were excited. So Jesus told them, um, let me turn there. I'm sorry, it was in the same, the same chapter that Jesus feeds the 5,000 in chapter 6. Um, and earlier in that chapter, after they came back, they had how many... So we're going to talk about rest just here shortly. So the disciples get back. They had all kinds of breakthrough. This, Jesus had sent them out with authority to heal the sick, cast out devils, and they get back and they did all this stuff. They had so many testimonies. They had so much, they were so full. And the first thing Jesus tells them is, come on, let's, let's go rest. Let's go rest a while. Let's go out to the desert and we're going to rest. So many times we, we get on the mountaintop experience and we just want to go, 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 go. Because we have this thing inside of us that just feels like it's pushing us. We need rest in, the, in times like those, in the same way that you feel like you need rest when things are going really badly. Because the emotional, the, the way it works on your emotions in a high 
is the same exact way as it works in a low. So we do not forsake our rest. So anyways, Jesus uh, fed the 5,000. Okay, yeah, no. So in the middle of this, he took them out to rest. The crowd saw him. They saw where they were going, so they followed him. And they were like, oh, we just want to rest. We want to be with Jesus, you know. All these people are following us. We're in the desert. We got to deal with them. Just want to lay down. And uh, they say, Jesus, just send them away. Send them away. There's nothing out here. We don't want to deal with them right now. We want to be with you. And Jesus says, you feed them. Hey, how about you feed them? And they're like, oh, there's like no stores around here. Plus, I don't think we have enough money to buy enough food for all these people. Jesus said, you feed them. And from there, we know that he took the loaves and the fish, blessed them. And uh, I always had this picture of them, like he blessed it and it's just like, poof. You know, there's baskets of it right there. But what actually happened, I believe, is that the disciples, they took this bread and fish as they were handing it out. What was in their hands just didn't run out. There was nothing, they, they couldn't see this huge stockpile over there that they were getting ready to hand out to these people. They were going out with what they had and they handed it out. And in the disciples' hands is where this multiplied. So coming right af off of that, <laughs> oh, this is good. So, uh, So Jesus, after this, they took it, they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Um, they needed to go rest again. So Jesus said, go rest. This is where we're gonna start reading Mark 8, 14 to 21. I'm sorry, that is the wrong. Mark 6, 45 to 52. It says, and straightway, right away, he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, get over, go over to Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when, eve, when even was come, evening, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch, of the night he came unto them walking upon it. So I'm going to stop there. Fourth night of the wa fourth watch of the night, pretty late, pretty late at night. Um, he was up on the mountain or on land. He was on land. He was praying. He was um, resting. The disciples were out in the middle of the sea. It says that he saw them toiling with the wind and the waves. So, Jesus, Jesus wasn't out there with his binoculars. You know, oh man, they're having a rough time, you know. Even if he could, it was a long way out there. Jesus 
got a word of knowledge for the disciples. He didn't, he wasn't out there watching them. He was in his time, he was praying and he's, oh, the disciples are having a rough time right now. So we're gonna move on. Um, So in the fourth watch of the night, he came unto them walking upon the sea and he would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and he said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship. And the wind ceased. And they were so amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracles of the loaves their heart was hardened. Um, so the disciples just see Jesus multiply, well, they see food multiply in their hands. A few hours later, they're on the sea and it's going terribly. Jesus, why, did, why does it say Jesus was meaning to just pass them by? He wasn't planning on stopping to help them. Okay. Why? Does anybody know? Yes. We can read it in verse 45. What did he tell them to do? He told them to go to Bethsaida. Were they in Bethsaida out there on the water? No, they weren't. He was going to pass them by and meet them over there on the other side. They cried out unto him. They had a word to go to the other side. When we have a word to go somewhere, when we're in the middle, it looks like we're going to die. Just know you're not going to die. So a couple of chapters later, Jesus again feeds 4,000 people by multiplying food at the hands of the disciples. <clears throat> We're going to move to Mark 8, verses 14 to 21. And it says, read along with me here. And this is one of those, this is one of those kind of comical portions of Scripture where you can find some, uh, some comedy in there. Um, it says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither, and remember, this is right after 4,000 people got fed by a small amount of food. The disciples had forgotten to take, and take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them saying, take heed therefore, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it's because we don't have any bread. He knows. He knows we forgot bread. He knows we forgot bread, so he's trying to, he's trying to get at us. You know, like, this is like the time back when we were kids, and, and Dad said, he already knew we messed up, but he was like, you know, go in a roundabout way to try to make you know that he knows that you messed up. 
So Jesus says, perceive ye not, neither understand. Have, you, have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes to see and having ears, hear ye not? Do you not remember when I, when I broke the five loaves among 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? So they said to him, 12. And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, how is it that ye do not understand? So Jesus, when he was speaking about the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, he was speaking about their mindsets, about their beliefs. The leaven of Herod is the belief that, yeah, your religion is okay as long as it's over there, as long as it's out there and it's just a safe little thing you can play with. The leaven of the Pharisees was a teaching that, yeah, God is powerful, but he's not personable. There's one more leaven that's mentioned in heaven. It's the leaven of heaven where it's the truth, the truth about Christ. So in the middle of this, they're still thinking about food. When in probably the past few days, they've seen more food than they've ever seen in their life. Um, so remember, after what we said after in Exodus, even after supernatural provision, the unrenewed mind will forget the faithfulness of the Lord and turn away from him. So a life of miracles, a life in the supernatural is not a cheap life. Not in the sense that you need money to have it, but it demands your perception of reality to change from there on out. So after we see something happen, this is our new, this is the new floor. This is the new floor. This is where we go from here on out. You can no longer look at situations the way you used to. The renewing of your mind is a daily occurrence. And with every new level of faith we experience, the old way of thinking has to fall off. So this, I'm not saying this because I know this isn't easy, but it's what we need to do daily. Our minds need to be renewed according to match up with the truth of heaven, with the will of the Father, which is on, heaven, uh, on earth as it is in heaven on earth as it is in heaven. If your, if your three-foot circle is not looking like heaven, then we need to begin to renew our mind, to believe. Um, and obviously, I mean, we're dealing with fear like crazy right now in the world. I don't know that I can ever remember in my young life that I've sent such a monster, such a mountain of fear that is in people's hearts right now. And what is, uh, what is fear? Fear is basically faith 
that's pointed in opposite directions of God. So we know that faith, by faith, things happen. By faith, things are brought from the unseen world into the seen world. So by fear, when we begin to believe for things, what do you think is going to happen? It's fear is a lot like an open door to the devil. Um, why, why did Jesus say so many times to fear not? Moses told the Israelites, don't fear, but be ready to see salvation today for you. Um, to renew our mind, we need to get in the word. Uh, we need to let the Lord renew our mind. And this is also, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is huge in this part because the Lord told, told the disciples to go, to wait for the, for the baptism, to wait for the Holy Spirit to fall before you do anything. Um, so if we need help, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's just natural that you will probably be walking a bit of a powerless Christian life if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's just, I mean, it's just the truth. God would not make it available if you wouldn't need it. God would not make it available if you wouldn't need it. Um, so remember to renew our mind. Why do we need to do this? Because we are in, I'm gonna turn into the, the Revelations preacher here. We're in the last days. We're in the last days. Um, the world is in a place, I mean, look how different the last 100 years have looked compared to the first six, 7,000 years. Think about it. Is that crazy? That's less than 1% of time that you're living in right now where you have technology even in the last 10 years, the world is more connected than it's ever been. And I mean, it, it's, we're not that far removed from even knowing what's in the whole world. Like 500 years ago, people didn't even know about South America. That's half the world almost, okay? <laughs> I mean, the people that lived there did, but the... <laughs> The, uh, the uh, educated, I don't know, what, whatever you would call it, people that were over in Europe and stuff, they had no idea, okay? Um, I think it was Christopher Columbus when he got there, he thought he got to China. But, I mean, so we are in a time, and it's, it, it just seems like it is, it's accelerating. Things are going faster than they've ever gone. Things are accelerating. We are in a day and age where things, it's just flat out different, okay? It's beginning to feel a lot like the end times. Now, I wanna say this because there is a bunch of teaching out there that say things are just gonna get better and better and better until Jesus comes. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe it's biblical. Um, in Isaiah,
the, it describes end times and believe we can be certain that it will be filled with glory. I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna be amazing, but it's also gonna be full of crisis. The church is going to get better and better and better. The world around us is not, okay? Light is gonna be there. I mean, it's gonna be light, and it's also gonna be dark. It's gonna be awakening, and it's gonna be turmoil. It's gonna be simultaneous across the earth. Um, so, in this increase of darkness in the last days, in the turmoil and whatever, the church in that time is time to rise and shine and not to run and hide. Okay? So, don't, don't, be, don't be scared of the end times. You're a believer. It's going to get really good but it's gonna be really bad around you. That is when it's our time to rise, to shine. When, when there's darkness all around you, there is, uh, there's an opportunity to shine brighter. But if we act like all that out there there, where's the light gonna come from? We're meant to be different. We're meant to be different because like the song JB sang, like death is just, just a doorway to resurrection, to resurrection. We're not scared to die. We're not scared to die. Thinking of the martyrs through the years, thinking of Steve getting burned at the stake. The other day I was thinking, man, if persecution comes, what's the way that would really not be fun to go? <laughs> I mean, getting burned at the stake would be awful. But did Stephen feel it? I don't know. I don't know. It says that his face <laughs> was shining. It was shining. We can live so far above the world, we're still in the world, but we are to live above it. All authority has been given to Jesus. He gave authority to us. So if all authority has been given to Jesus, that means there's one that has no authority. There's one that has this much, zero authority, except what's given to him except what's given to him by those with authority. You have authority. You have authority and you have the authority of all of heaven inside of you. There's none that's left out. We need to renew our mind, gain understanding on that authority in order to activate it. May we never give our authority over to the enemy. Never. There's a verse, Hebrews 2, 14 to 15. I want this to be in our hearts. In our hearts. 
through this time in our country. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, speaking of Jesus, likewise took part of the same. He took part of flesh and blood. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them through fear of death, deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Deliver them who were subject to the bondage of fear of death. We have been delivered from that bondage. We no longer have bondage to fear unless you let yourself. So in a time where there is a mountain of fear out there, be a people that have been set free from that bondage. And then other people, how to get to that same place. That's the gospel. I mean, in today's day, in this week, the gospel is show people they don't need to fear. Just show them who Jesus is. It's simple. Um, Psalms 103, 2 and 3 was just a cool verse um, for me this week. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What's the benefit of being one of God's children. There is endless benefits. There's all these benefits. Verse three, who forgiveth all thine iniquity and who healeth all thy diseases. That is a benefit. Did it say some diseases? Did it say except the coronavirus? Uh-uh. Pretty sure that falls underneath all. All. All of it. So why don't we stand? Um, I know we have a fellowship meal. What I'd like for us to do, though, today, I want to get, I want to get the, uh, through this time, all the, all the stuff that they, you know, gatherings of 200, whatever, uh, keeping it out of there. Um, originally, I was, I was pretty frustrated at the church and a bunch of churches for shutting down and doing that stuff, and I'm just being completely honest. Um, and then I, kinda, I feel like it was the Lord kind of talked to me a little bit. He told me, you know, it's okay because I don't need four walls to build my kingdom. And I kind of had that, I don't know if it was an idol or what it was, like the, the way that... I've grown up and been culturally exposed to the belief of what church is and your pastor and all this stuff. I've kind of had, I, I feel like I had that kind of tore down a little bit. Like the church is not just the, the building, the pastor, the worship team, the people. The, the church is everyone. The church is you guys. You, I mean, we are all called to be the church. You're not called to come listen to your pastor on Sunday and have amazing worship from JB. <laughs> um, it's awesome, it's fun, it's good. It's, 
I mean, that is one of the biggest blessings in my life, but that is not what the church is. We are called to be the church, each one. No one is, no one is exempt from the work of the church. If you have Christ in you, you're not exempt. Okay, so don't just come and sit in the pew. So I had that torn down a little bit and I, I just thought, you know, it's cool. Wherever people are at this morning, we're able to worship and enjoy him. We're able to worship and enjoy him this morning. Um, going along with the uh, kind of the, just the declaration from the top, from, of our country, not the top, um, but from Donald Trump that today is a day of prayer. I would like us to just try to not, because we do have a fellowship meal, spend maybe 10 minutes just praying, praying for each other. Um, just pray. Open yourselves up to hear what the needs are in your circle. And pray. So um, why don't we, you guys, split up. It'll be kind of like prayer pods. Try to keep it small. Two is fine. Two to three people. Um, and then let's pray. Let's pray for the country. Pray for each other. Uh, let's try to be out by five till so that we can go. And I'm just going to pray real quick. Uh, I'll pray for the meal and stuff. And then uh, tomorrow. Yeah, just one thing. And that was an awesome word, Gary. And just what a great day this morning to be here. Thank you for bringing that. Um, Everybody is invited, encouraged to stay for the meal. We'd love to have you. One thing, as a leadership team, we're asking God, like, in a time like this, what would you have us do? Is there something that we can do that makes a difference in our community? Is there something practical that we can, is there a need that we can meet? So we're praying through that, we're talking through that, and as things evolve, uh, you may be hearing some different ideas we have. One thing that we do have here at the well is we have a well. So... If you know of anybody that needs water, I know a lot of stores are out of water. If, you know, if there is a need, point people towards our well. It's good water, it's safe to drink, it's right out front. Uh, don't be afraid to spread that word that people are welcome to come to the well to get a drink of water. That's pretty practical. Yeah. So Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the fellowship meal. Everybody that works so hard to bless us with it. Um, Jesus, and I pray for, for supernatural fellowship today, for um, just your spirit to infect us as a, as, a, as a group of brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for this week that springtime is coming, that your Easter season is coming up. Um, so Jesus, we love you. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.